0: Welcome to another episode of news points on the air, a production of the North American division of Seventh-day Adventists. I'm your host, Milan Medley. Our guest for this episode is Gabriella de Phillips, also known as Gabby. Gabby is the director of Adventist Muslim relations for the North American division. Over the past 26 years, she has found creative ways of building relationships between the two faith communities that lead to deeper experiences with God. He's here to give us practical advice on how to reach our Muslim brothers and sisters in our communities. He says we can seek common ground in order to reach higher ground together. Now, one note, if you've been following this podcast, you'll know we've been recording our interviews via Zoom. And if you're familiar with Zoom, you'll know the quality of your Zoom calls are dependent on your internet connection. Well, that dependency was a little noticeable with this episode. So at times you may hear a delay or the audio may drop a bit, but we put this episode together so you can have the full experience of this important conversation. All right, that's out the way. Now let's get to Gabby. Hello Gabby, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for inviting me, it's a pleasure. Can you first tell me what sparked your interest into getting to know um, Islam and become more familiar and to gain a, a deeper understanding of Islam? Well,
1: there was never a point that I said, okay, let me go and study Islam. It was more like suddenly I found myself immersed in a world I had not anticipated I was 26 years old. I have just come out of school, um, got married, and we joined ADRA. And we landed in a Muslim country, very close to Iran. We were only eight miles close to Turkey. And you Uh, said we... I'm
0: I'm sorry to uh, interrupt you. You and your husband, you worked for ADRA. Okay. And you went to um, another country.
1: Right. Okay. Yes. A Muslim country. And so that was how we suddenly find ourselves immersed and uh in the world of muslim people and that was a blessing because we we learn about islam from the people and this was before um you know the whole thing became so much more popular years later
0: and how has your or has this interfaith journey been since then because it seems like it's been a few years you know more than a few years since you've um been in these two worlds?
1: Well, that's a very good question, actually. At first, when we've uh, moved to this country, I thought, oh, I'm going to be there to help the people and also to share the good news um, that we as Adventists have to share with people. But now, over 25 years later, I realized that God was taking me to a different journey I had not anticipated. And it's a journey of he releasing himself and showing that he can walk in roads I never saw it was possible. It's like I used to have him in a very neat uh, box called My Religion. Mm -hmm. And he just got loose and started saying, well, if you follow me, you're going to find footprints of mine in places you never thought were possible. And so for the last 26 years, I had been following our uh, Lord in the most unexpected places. And what had happened is that it has created a sense of the, the passion of God for the nations that I would have never gained otherwise. And so I hope I'm still a, a blessing to somebody. Now my expectation has shrunk so much more.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, and I'm grateful for the way they are a blessing to me, how they have shown me, Aspects of God that I would have missed if I would have not been engaged in this interfaith journey. Wow!
0: Can you provide a Something. couple examples of how um, mm-hmm. your understanding of God has deepened and increased? You know, through this this whole journey over the twenty six years.
1: I'll be very glad to do so. Uh, first of all, living among Muslims in conservative traditional uh, societies it's like going back to the world of the old testament hmm,
0: in and what so, way
1: well the the patriarchal structure the laws um the roles of the people uh the stories make so much more sense and they're so much um deeper and rich
0: the biblical um, stories in yes, the old testament yes, yes. Okay.
1: and even some of the new testament like for instance, uh, I used to read the story when Jesus was born and the angels came and sang, and it's a beautiful story. I have missed completely the significance until a Palestinian woman explained to me that when a baby, born, uh, baby boy is born in their community, the, the male and the families come out to celebrate and welcome the coming of that baby boy into the community. So it's, a, it's almost like a reception ceremony. Hmm. but now mary she was born she has given a child out of wedlock and she's a foreign in a a foreign country so there will be no one celebrating with her and welcoming this new baby so god sends a delegation from heaven of angels that will come and say this baby is welcome not just into the neighborhood of palestine but he will be that linking between heaven and earth and goodwill to men And, and so when Every time now I read this story, it's so much more meaningful to see, wow, this is what God meant, that this baby was welcomed into the neighborhood of mankind, and that when made saw a woman out of wedlock, God saw my servant, who I welcome, and I welcome this baby. So I could give you so many more stories of that nature that had um, increased my love for the scriptures and for God in in so many ways. I think I'm a bit of a better person because of looking at God not from a different eyes, a different um, set of perspective.
0: And I really like that example. I hadn't heard that, um, you know, about uh, the reception for welcoming a baby boy because oftentimes, at least in conversations I've heard when you're talking uh, with Christians and Muslims or maybe speaking maybe about similarities found in uh, holy books, you know, the Bible and the Quran. A lot of times there's uh, conversations around Abraham and Moses. So those are the figures that I hear conversations about. But, you know, you're even seeing, saying when you were in a Muslim, uh, predominantly Muslim area and you were given deeper understanding of Jesus, that's powerful. Yes,
1: yes. Oh, Jesus, look at Jesus from Eastern eyes. It's Mm -hmm. amazing. You see this messiah of honor that is out there to reverse the status of people and that is bringing changes to society. So you see, I used to have a very individualistic gospel of what Jesus can do for me until a tribal leader once asked me, can you, Jesus, bring good news through my tribe? And that really shocked me. I have never thought that, am I speaking in a way that doesn't sound like it's for your whole tribe. And so that set me years ago in a journey of how can this Jesus speak for whole communities, restoring communities? So it's been one of those many gifts that I have received from being engaged in mission.
0: And can you describe um, common grounds between, um, you know, our two religions, between uh, Islam and Christianity?
1: hmm i'll be glad to do that Mylon. and i hope that out of this common ground once we discover this common ground we could always move together to what i call higher ground hmm. but to start with a common ground i would say number one um, a deep awareness of the presence of god everywhere you see when a muslim baby is born the first sound here is the sound of the chapter now number one of their holy book calling them to uh, To be in the path of God. And when a Muslim person dies, the very last sounds they hear is again that same chapter be recited to them. So between their very first sound of birth and death, the whole life it's wrapped around the sounds of God and an awareness of the presence of God. So instead of say hello, you say assalamu alaikum, which means peace be upon you. Or um, I will see you tomorrow, inshallah, God's willing. It, there is so much in the language that is wrapped with God. And I think that this is, this is a common ground where we also can come and say, God is so meaningful to me that there's no area of my life, no thought that I don't bring captive to the precious uh, presence of God. So that, that awareness of God, I would say, is a tremendous area of common ground. Hmm. Um, sometimes we can get lost with Muslims because they might describe God in language that is a little foreigner to us but I think that we need to learn to train our ass to see God's spirit working when somebody bows down 17 times a day saying guide us into the straight path they really mean it, it's not just motion and why wouldn't God honor that so number one I would say awareness and its centrality in everyday life Number two, out of 27 of the Muslim prophets in the Quran is the holy book of Muslims, 25 Bible characters. So we are talking about Moses, if you're right, Moses is the most mentioned prophet in, in Islam. But we are talking about David, we are talking about Solomon, we are talking about Daniel, we are talking about Ezekiel. Even though Daniel is not mentioned in the Quran, it's known in the Islamic culture they believe that the tomb of Daniel, is in Iran. So there is a lot of love for the prophets. Hmm. Uh, so when we talk, it's like a genealogy, you know, like suddenly we discover that you and I had this lost auntie that yeah. we didn't know existed. And so there's yeah. so much like, tell me, what do you know of this side? And tell me, and I can tell them what I know. So another area of common ground that can lead to higher ground. And I'll pick up two quickly, yeah. a huge one, a uh, very huge one is prayer. The life of the Muslim is so wrapped around prayer that you have to stop five times a day to pray. And there are 17 uh, prayers that you do, 17. Um, so in five times, you do 17 prayers. And uh, prayer is huge, so much that the place of worship, which is called the mosque, if you were to translate that, it means the place of prostration. And so one of the areas that Muslims and I um, love to share is we pray with each other, not for each other only. Uh, so I will say prayer is huge. And family and family life will be the last one that I'll pick up. Uh, the importance of family. The Bible says that in Malachi that God will be sending Elijah to turn hearts of parents towards kids and kids towards parents. And... When we can bring this message that the Bible, it's about God making a multi-ethnic family where you and I get to be grafted in this tree called the Messiah, and that is the source of unity. And in that in that tree, we come as families. It's a it's a beautiful point of connections that we have with Muslims. There.
0: Wow, and I just learned so much, you know, in that answer. <laughs> um, even I never knew the meaning of mosque, um, but to know that it means the place of prostration, that's, that's yeah, that's amazing. Um, so with those, and I love how you said, um, we find areas of common ground so we can reach higher ground. But What happens when we encounter um, uh, disagreements in Ooh. our theological <laughs> perspectives? Um, yeah so what happens then you know
1: Um, I'm actually happy you asked that question (laughs) Um, because sometimes in interfaith events there is a tendency that we stop at the things that we can agree but then you feel inside of you well but the core of my faith uh, it's actually something that you might not welcome but I that defines who I am so how do I deal with that? Uh, also, I think it's an important question because we believe in a time where people are canceling one another, like if I don't agree with you, I just ignore you and decide that you don't exist. Uh, that is very damaging. So I believe that there is a way of disagreement that honors God. I always appreciate uh, going back to First Peter 3:15, where uh, we are given an advice of what to do, how to witness. And he says that in every situation, we need to be ready to give reason for our faith with truth and grace. Hmm. So for me, um, an important principle is don't curse the darkness. If you see something you disagree, uh, first of all, don't assume it's sinful just because you disagree. It can be different to you Mm -hmm. but not necessarily sinful. Hmm. And second, if you think it's sinful, instead of exposing the sin, just turn on the light and let the light push the darkness away. So for an area of major disagreement with Muslims is the divinity of Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, Jesus is a prophet in Islam, a beloved prophet. We believe Jesus is so much more than a prophet. And so we can discuss dispute until we get blue in the face and get nowhere or we can learn to say well let me show you what jesus said about himself and you can ask god to tell you what does that mean so my role is to be a faithful witness is to say look jesus said that he can forgive sins he can give eternal life he's coming at the end with his angels to judge the world all these roles were reserved to god in the quran jesus is creating life So all I do is just take those pieces of evidence and and I present it to them with truth and grace, and say, look, I don't know what that means to you. I know what it means to me, but why don't you ask God to show you if he's saying something? What do you think of this Jesus now that you have seen this piece of evidence? And so if we become so much more biblical when we um, reach those areas of difference, and just allow the Muslim to have access to the biblical data and let them wrestle, I think so much more will be gained that when we just butt heads and, and becomes a, a, a match of power, who has a better argument and he, who is more charismatic? Well, maybe I win, I hope, or maybe <laughs> not. But at the
0: end, we both lose. And, mm-hmm. and, and I agree at a certain point, debate becomes unproductive, you know, if, because it's, if it's just for the sake of debate, but I really like your approach as to, it's basically empowerment. Like here's the evidence in, you know, and this is what it means to me. And if you're interested, check it out for yourself and then, you know, let me know what you think. Wow. Um, and that seems like a, a more even compassionate method instead of just, you know, like uh, bombarding somebody, you know, with a bunch of like uh, 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 arguments. Arguing. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's not really productive at the end of the day. But I do, um, Gabby, if you don't mind, because we haven't talked about your specific role, um, I was wondering if you can kind of give us a glimpse into your current work um and um some of the projects you may be really passionate right now what you're working on right now
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, i will say that i see myself as a bridge person um with two arms with one arm i'm reaching out and embracing my own faith community as a Seventh day adventist i believe we have a very rich message uh to share with the world especially with muslims our frame of the great controversy and a clarification of the character of God. The role of Jesus asking the very um, pressing question as can I have certainty of being saved on the day of judgment? And Jesus being able to say, yes, I can. The Sabbath as that um, sign of resting in God and sign of loyalty and I can go on and on. So I believe God has given us this beautiful gift and so I, I dream that I could mobilize um, my own faith community to see how beautiful is what we have to offer to people and uh, and equip them to present this truth in a way that the Muslim could say, that makes sense to me.
0: Hmm. Sadly,
1: the way we speak about God,
0: mm-hmm. it means
1: nothing to them. Like Jesus pay your debt. I had a debt. What kind of debt? when did that occur or that? i mean the whole language of salvation that we use is very confusing for them so that's one side of my my first arm reaching back to my own people say let's go together yeah. with the other arm i'm reaching and trying to engage in any possible way the muslim community as a peacemaker and i realize that the peace of jesus is one the world can't give so it's not about watering down what i believe of god but actually put it out there in the front Hmm. in the most beautiful and meaningful way that will draw Muslims to encounter the living God in the presence of Jesus Christ. So I believe that these are my my two arms. So I engage with equipping, training, uh, I do webinars, uh, develop materials that will help most uh, Adventists to see. But I'm also constantly daily engaged with Muslims in different uh, from developing local initiatives, projects to support the refugee community, mm. um, interfaith events, uh, interven events between churches, advising people whose parents, um, kids, relatives have maybe converted to Islam. How do we uh, re-engage them? How do we see that as an opportunity growth instead of running away or being scared so it it, Mm -hmm. my work varies and I love every bit of it
0: (laughs) yeah and I had the opportunity to uh virtually attend one of your uh webinars and it was so informative for me I mean I learned I learned so much in such a few a a limited amount of time so I'm really grateful for your work but um (laughs) uh like the whole concept of Uh, there being a ransom, like Jesus paying a ransom for your sins in the mind of a a Muslim that could be like, well, why is he dying for me? (laughs) You know, and I never thought about um, understanding or hearing, yeah, that connection, like someone, like, why would he die for me? I didn't ask for that. Like, you know what, these are valid questions (laughs) that we, you know, if we are followers of Jesus, if we say we're followers of Jesus, we should be able to answer that, you know, like plainly, but also understanding someone who is of faith, that could be like a radically different concept uh, for them. And so just hearing that was kind of mind-blowing for me. Um, and yeah, I, I, I appreciated nice. that new perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I want to transition a little, um, because in in equipping and informing um, Adventists or, you know, uh, people in our faith community, um, of how to be that bridge. You said you, you build, you build bridges mm-hmm. between the two worlds. What, um, obstacles do you face within our faith community in terms of, uh, ability to reach across that bridge, you know, cause you know, in this current climate that we live in, um, people from, predominantly Muslim countries, unfortunately, are characterized as, as, in a certain way or as a certain way because of media, movies, uh, just information driven by fear. So that could shape and, and create prejudice. And I just wanna know how, if, if and when you've encountered that in attempting to build bridges, how were you able to navigate that? Well,
1: that's a, that's a big question, my and yeah. very real and very intangible and very much shape our engagement with, uh, with Muslims in North America. That's my my focus of work. Um, I will say that it's like entering into a room. Speakers. Um, there is the humanitarian speaker, there is the biblical speaker, there is the ethical speaker, and there's the political speaker. And the political speaker is so so loud <laughs> that that's the only one that is driving the conversation and is drowning the other voices. And I that way, I felt that often I entered into churches or homes and all I can hear is that the political speaker is the one that is defining run right and wrong, who's in and who's out. Who's safe and who's not, hmm. and even is shaping how we do mission. We do mission towards those who are safe, hmm. and safe defined in political terms. So one of my biggest uh, prayers, and only God knows how many hours I wrestle with the Lord on this particular, is Lord, pour Your Spirit in our faith, um, in our faith community, and uh, make our Adventist um, movement to awaken to the seriousness of the times that we live in from your perspective. Let us see the opportunities that when I walk across the town and I find that in the North American division, we have people from every major and rich people group. That these people are here that in the providence of God, they might be um, exposed and blessed with a message that they are yearning to receive. Many of these people are escaping war. Mm -hmm. and they are looking from a place of safety and community. And why not me be the place of safety and community? But if I always see that man as my enemy, because that's what I read on the newspaper, it's very unlikely that I will see the humanity of that that person standing in front of me. So I will say that um, the the political lens has to be challenged, that we need to go back Hmm. to say, wait, what is God saying? Not just what the left or the right or this media outlet and this other is saying. And I would say even more, Mylon, I think that what had happened in the last few months, in particular, the last few weeks, in terms of our government in North America, should Mm -hmm. awaken us to say, what's wrong? What's wrong? Could it be that we had given too much authority to the government? And and this is not a partisan comment. Mm This is in general to say, could it be that we as a church have given too much authority to the government and expect them to fulfill the roles that God entrusted us as church? Like we want to bring unity in society. You know, we look at racial divide. Uh, Why would the government be responsible for healing the racial divide? Should not that be what the body of Christ is doing? Mm. In looking at the other and said, the oh, Lord God wanted to have this multi-ethnic family and the table is not going to be complete if you are not at the table.
0: You broke that, you broke up a little
1: bit. 23% uh-huh. percent. of the world are Muslims. Okay. It's a quarter, every four people walking on the road, there is one person is a Muslim. Between Muslims and Christians, we make f- more than 50% of the world. Hmm. If we don't learn to live in peace, there will be no peace in the world. And when we start realizing that God wants that brother to be sitting at the table with me, and God will not bring down the table, the banquet of salvation until that brother is sitting at the table, I Hmm. need to ask myself, what am I doing sitting here and looking to the other side? when God has given us the vision that his family will not be completed when there are whole communities and people group that have not been uh, rich with the, the beautiful invitation. So I feel very passionate about saying people, why don't you switch off the television
0: mm-hmm. and go
1: across the street, go to that store, that new restaurant. And I very inadequate but it's when you are weak that god is strong let me go to that iraqi restaurant in a corner around with a prayer in my heart and just go and greet the name the the new neighbor and say look you've been in my neighborhood all this time and i hear that you guys have amazing food what do you recommend Mm -hmm. to me i mean just basic stuff we gotta get out of the official we got to get under the ground and just walk the street with people. And it's going to have such a huge impact um, in our own hearts, in our families and in our church. And I believe that this is pleasing to God.
0: Yeah. I was going to ask, you know, if someone uh, feels um, compelled or wants to find ways to create healthy relationships, what could they do? And you just listed something, you know, and it, it kind of comes down to don't overthink it. Like you don't have to be like a pastor. You don't have to be a faith leader, you know, like you said, you can just go to a a restaurant and just engage um, one person, you know, it's relationship buildings, what it sounds like.
1: That's really what it is, is kingdom relationship. If I could say something, I always tell people, if you can pray, you can disciple. If you can eat, You can disciple. Hmm. People say, well, I don't know anything about Islam. Don't worry, learn from the people. Give them the opportunity. They feel honored when you say, you know what? I don't know much about your faith, but I would love to know why do you pray the way you do? What do you say when you pray this way? I see this Islamic art here. What is this important? What is the significance? What does it mean? People feel honored when we take the time to listen to them. And when you leave said, you know, you've been a blessing to me. I would love to leave a blessing. It will be appropriate for us to pray together. That's what I do. In 26 years, never once anybody has ever said, no, don't pray with me, never once. I had prayed in the most unusual places. Uh, when the refugees come to our city, we meet mm-hmm. them at the airport Milan. Within two hours, we go to them to their homes and we tell them, we believe God brought you to America for a purpose. We are so excited to be your neighbor. We want to leave you a blessing. I cannot tell you how many times these Muslim families have cried. And later on, they have told us, we were so scared on the airplane. Would anybody be at the airport? Would anybody want us in the community? Because the only face of America that we have seen are the soldiers in the streets in Iraq or Syria or places like that. And then you come here and you have a bunch of six, seven Adventists waiting for them at the airport with a balloon, with a pumpkin pie, you know, something simple mm-hmm. and it just transformed the relationships because it's not sort of about building trust. And when a person can trust you, they start wondering if the God that you represent can be trusted too. So I want to say that the most important place for engaging Muslims And I'm going to surprise you with this, (laughs) Myron. It's a table. You see the word hospitality and hospital Mm. have the same root because both of them are a place of healing. If you can eat with the people, Uh you will be amazed what God can do with that. So go and engage a person, meet with them, and create an opportunity for eating together and let God take the rest. If you are committed to that far, you, I can guarantee that something beautiful will happen.
0: Wow. Hospitality and hospital. Wow. But what if someone, so here in the Washington DC area, you know, and especially, you know, an area where I live is very diverse, have all types of cultures and restaurants represented. What if someone doesn't have access to or maybe they don't live in as diverse of a community but they feel moved to do something to build a bridge what would you recommend for them um
1: you see when i look at muslims i don't look i'm not looking for muslims per se
0: yeah
1: i am looking for who are that person that god has already been working that he wants to bring into my life Hmm. Like when I go to the mosque, I I see, okay, there is a lot of people here, but who is here truly worshiping God? And I can't see that with physical eyes. People don't have a sign thing, come and get me. Um, So I need to depend on prayer. And so even if there is, I have had um, old grandmas who say, look, we can't even walk anymore. I particularly remember one that passed away uh, last year. She was a prayer warrior. I would not dare to go anywhere without asking this grandma, I'm going to do this. Could you please pray for me? So, even though people say, Well, I don't really have access to Muslims, pray for us, pray mm-hmm. for those divine encounters, pray for the project, pray for pray. And you don't know when God might bring something. And today, Milan, I will be um, amazed, uh, I'll surprise that if you really are looking for Muslims that you don't find them because the internet has shrunk the spaces. So even within your house, every day I'm, I'm part of a conversation with, uh, with three Muslim groups and people all the way from Senegal, um, New York, the UK and I can go to um, Iran. We are on a daily conversation over WhatsApp Um, so in your social media, if you are looking for someone, just pray and let God to guide you. You will be, um, you'll be honored to see how he will do it for you.
0: Yeah. And when, so it seems like if there's a desire and you seek God, an opportunity would present itself, but then don't go with the mindset of, you know, be open-minded and yeah, like seek, you know, go to seek, um, and understand their culture, you know, go to listen more so than to preach. Well, the thing is
1: that um, sometimes I hear people saying we have to celebrate cultures. I will say, well, I get what you're saying, but as an advocate, I want to celebrate God in cultures. I want to celebrate that God has been working in every faith community. So if I truly believe that God already has been working on, on the other side of the family, when I go to meet with those people, it's not like they are 100% dependent on me. But it means that, yes, I do have some, something to contribute, but God has already shown them something that it might be of a blessing to me. And so the first thing I do when I meet Muslims, I go as a learner. Uh, I have a lot of curiosity. So I ask questions, I listen, and I listen to the answers. The answer people give me a very personal, like, okay, why do Muslims pray? And he says, well, I pray because, you know, I feel close to God. That's kingdom language. I know this is a person I want to spend time with. Now, sometimes we'll say, well, in our religion, we are supposed to pay 17 times a day like this. Okay, I respect that. Mm-hmm. But that's maybe not the person I'm looking for. And so you learn to discern who are the people who, who within the Muslim community are being Um, in a relationship with God, and then you build on that, and you grow together.
0: Wow, this has been great, Gabby, Uh, so much insight and very practical information, um, especially about, you know, you can just go to a table, you know, metaphorically speaking, you know, go sit and eat and talk um, Mm -hmm. with someone. Is there, um, do you have any final thoughts um, you'd like to add, anything else you think we uh, we should know in order to be um, better uh, bridge builders in our own communities. Um, yeah, I want to perhaps finish with something
1: that has been very meaningful to me, which is Isaiah 60 and it's a vision. You see the Bible says that my people are dying for lack of vision and we need to have a vision and that vision is not based on imagination but in actual revelation. And in Isaiah 60, it says, arise and shine. Um, and then it presents that the glory of God is being completed. Why? Because there's all these people coming to the presence of God. And hmm. among those people, there, are, there is a particular group of people coming. There is the sons of Ishmael hmm. and the sons of the Midianites these are the ancestors the spiritual ancestors of today's muslims they call them their fathers prophet muhammad believed that he came from the line of um, ishmael mm-hmm. and so here they come with their camels they come with their incense they come with all the things that are associated with the middle east and they are received in the presence of god hmm. and there's another verse that that i'm a visual person i love to see images mm-hmm. and it's in matthew 8:11 or 11-8, I think it's 8-11, mm-hmm. where Abraham is at a table and there's this banquet table mm-hmm. and you see that Abraham looks up and he sees the sons from the east that are coming to this family reunion and he looks and he sees the sons from the west coming to the family reunion and they're having a family get together. This is the picture of what God foresees as this is what heaven is like.
0: Hmm. And
1: it's a family reunion around the table. So many of Jesus' parables are about food and eating and eating with the right people, with the wrong people, and sitting in the right seat and not. Why? Because God is looking at a family get together. And so if we start looking at the other like this, like you are a distant cousin,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, I don't know much about you, but I would love to know um, what are your roots, what are the things that are there? Um I think that view of the other will see in the other a potential brother mm. and when that happened God wins so I'm going to leave that as a challenge go yeah. back to Isaiah 16 and, uh, and,
0: and what's that other that other passage you said Isaiah 16
1: Matthew, Matthew 8, um,
0: 8 11 okay yeah that's mm-hmm. great I'm Isaiah going to 16, look those Matthew up 8, 11. Two, yeah two beautiful pictures Uh yeah (laughs) yeah thank you so much gabby this has been great i really appreciate your time i
1: i'm honored that i was able to spend this time and i pray that this was a blessing thank you
0: thank you for tuning into this episode of news points on the air news points on the air is produced edited and hosted by me milan medley executive producers are dan weber julio munoz and kimberly moran graphics are by Jonathan Lapointe. Listen and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. Leave a five-star rating, nothing less, and leave us a glowing review. Speaking of subscribe, be sure to subscribe to News Points. It's our weekly digital newsletter that has news stories, special announcements, and ministry resources. Go to nadavenist.org and click on news. If you need to reach me, send an email to ontheair at That's ontheair at nadavenus.org. That's it for this episode. We'll see you next time.